When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, what a night. Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Oh, What a Night, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. You join us off the back of Spurs. Losing to Leeds away from home on a Saturday afternoon and we got to well and truly put to the test the would you rather lose early in the weekend in the first game or would you rather lose the last kickoff of the weekend? Um, Spurs very kindly have provided us with both of those uh, scenarios this season. Um, joining me on the pod today, Shawnee Walsh, Dan Kirkpatrick and Hunter Godson. Everyone all right? Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Suitably yeah. bounced back. No, it was, quite, apathy, it was quite, yeah, yeah. Sean's nailed that there. Apathetic. Oh, that is, that, that's, yeah, that's not good, is it? That's, it's a, it's one of those that it was proper wind, wind out the sails again. It was like, it's dropped completely. We were, we were flying on angels' wings and Dan warned us last weekend that perhaps Sheffield United and uh, Southampton aren't very good football teams. <laughs> and, and lo and behold, he was correct. I wasn't prepared to give that at the time. <laughs> yeah, at the time, I was like, yeah, yeah. All right, Dan, sure. When we smash Leeds 10 0. Let egg on your face then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, none of that, unfortunately. Um, we're going to delve through the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful, as always. Um, and so we'll kick off. Do you know what? Let's just kick off with, as we usually do, with how the game played out. Shorty, give me a, your kind of overarching take. Well, Dan said last week that Sheffield United Southampton were the best teams that Mason possibly could have faced as a rookie coach. And I think in Man City and Leeds, who are probably the two most structured, well-oiled teams in the league, those are the two worst that you want to face because it became apparent after the first half when we were just, we were playing well, but we weren't, like, we didn't make anything kind of clear-cut apart from um, the goal and the offside goal. Apart from that, we just looked nice. We looked tidy, and that was it. And then when we when we came out for the second half, and we were we had to step it up a gear in, in order to get something out of the game, we just weren't able to find it, and everyone looked a bit lost. And Leeds really powered through, and were really really impressive. I have to say. Yeah, I think that's one thing we should probably say here is that Leeds played very well. We we spoke to a couple of Leeds fans on Friday, didn't we, Ben? And they were saying, "Ah, oh, we're missing a couple of really key players. We've been we've moved into a more defensive structure in the last few weeks, and it's not massively leading to any chances being created." Well, they found a happy medium on Saturday, a very happy medium whereby they would they looked quite sound defensively, and then they moved the ball forward really well and 
with like real momentum and uh yeah so they deserve a lot of credit but we just fell away didn't we we just we, that second half performance was everything that's accused of this has uh, been thrown at this Spurs team this year and the structure fell away that they, they looked unfit they, there was no purpose in the in the passing and uh yeah just more of the same really which was very disappointing Right, slight break in proceedings. You'll be delighted to hear that once again we're a sponsored podcast. I know, this ragtag bunch having a sponsor, mental, but this podcast is now brought to you by Manscaped.com or brought to you again by Manscaped.com. We've been very fortunate to have been sponsored by them in the past as well. And I suppose being the bastions of sartorial elegance and male grooming that we are, it kind of makes sense that Manscaped have come to us as the place to advertise their trimmers for scaping the areas around your prized assets so get 20% off and free shipping with the code 90min20 at manscaped.com unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped felt like it was lacking a bit of identity there as well Dan or, or not yeah a little bit a little bit I mean I think We'll come on to this, but I think Mason got it wrong, and yet I don't blame him at all, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we're going to come on to Mason's tactics, so I'll, I'll try and steer clear of that. But yeah, it was just very deflating. I mean, I, to echo what Hunter alluded to there, like I think I always thought the danger with Leeds is they're not actually the really entertaining side that they were in the first half of the season. I think any kind of analysis that has Leeds as as sort of really open and free scoring and free conceding is is kind of first half of the season analysis. And they've really tightened it up in games against United and City and, and Chelsea and Liverpool. And I think obviously beat City and only conceded once. I think got nil-nil draws with United and Chelsea. I think got a point against Liverpool, possibly a one-all. So it, it was always going to be a, t- a tough game. And I always felt like the kind of key for Spurs was to, to be defensively tight because you know Leeds were going to be defensively tight and it was it was kind of all the the defensive weakness that we've seen over the last kind of 18 months just wrapped up into one game you know individual mistakes collective mistakes they look bad as a unit they look bad as as individuals and uh yeah quite a quite a chastening saturday um mm. but to answer your question at the top of the show I think that's almost one of the worst um, times to lose. At least if it's a Friday night, you can kind of almost com- compartmentalise it as not part of the weekend. You're like, mm. the weekend starts now, Saturday. <laughs> when it's Saturday lunchtime, that's, that's surely the weekend gone. Yeah. yeah. So Because you do that weird thing, don't you, where you kind of like will crack on with something else and then you'll occasionally just be like, why am I annoyed again? Mm. <laughs> you just suddenly remember that his thing bloody happened. It's what keeps like just nudging you in the back. Um, surely just before we move on, um, it did make me sort of look and think, oh God, I, I absolutely know where I would like Spurs to prioritise making a signing in the summer. Um, did you have that as well? Or, or are you still kind of a bit like, we need multiple? I think we need multiple, but I think uh, a, a proper leader at centre-back so you can bring it out from the back, like a top, top, Centre back is the priority for me. Like I, I, I think that kind of goes hand in hand with getting a new manager who is able to, who's like a really just kind of strong structural tactical coach. 
I say that, I say that, I sound like such a bare minimum thing after this last year we've had. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I would like us to be able to play football with tactical nails. Yes, please. I think, um, I think that's, I, I think that, I don't think that's too broad a thing to say because I think that um, football seems to have broken down now into really two very clear schools of thought. You get managers that come in and work with a squad and then you get managers that come in and have got a philosophy and it kind mm. of feels like you're going one way or the other at the moment. It doesn't seem like there's too many managers in the world that can go in and take a, 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 a bunch of parts that could be absolutely anything and then bring them towards a philosophy. I think mm. like you, you're probably looking at someone like Ancelotti maybe that would be the, the, the closest example, but there's not many of them, right? Maybe Conte. There's mm. not I think like... The longer the season goes on, the more it feels like maybe we should have pulled the trigger earlier and gone for Tuchel before Chelsea did because the job that he's done there with the squad that, you know, they were like, what, ninth, 10th when Lampard got binned off. Everyone was saying, oh, that squad's not good enough. They need to clear out anyway. Like, it's going to take... It, it, like it's going to take two cool times to really get going. And all of a sudden now they're this winning machine who are really stable defensively and they have a lot of quality up top when they need to win games as well. And I just think that there is the potential for that with our squad, but I don't know who the manager is to come in and do that right now anyway. Mm. Yeah, Hunter, we had that conversation, didn't we, on, like you said, on Friday where it, like, uh, it was pointed out to us, ironically by a Leeds fan, that, that <laughs> Lampard had said, this squad is not ready. Like they're not yeah. ready to go out and win big games, and and now we're sitting here with them about being a FA Cup final, a Champions League final, having just beaten City twice within three weeks. Yeah, and and also, what what whatever manager we sort of go after in the next few weeks, you you feel like maybe in two weeks Arsenal might be looking for a manager as well, and it's going to yeah. be of, a, of similar mould. So, I mean, Spurs have to move quickly. Whoever they go for now. <laughs> Nagelsmann joining Bayern and Ten Hag signing his new deal uh, are, are sort of damning indictments of, of I think, what Spurs can offer now. Um, I, I would love to hear the conversations that go on between them. I'd honestly, I'd pay thousands to know what was said in the room between Ten Hag and whoever Levy. Um, I, I just wonder, yeah, what what they're offered in terms of coming to Spurs now, are you going to be able to go out and sign players? Are you going to be able to offload some players? You know, it's not a great market for that. Uh, so it'll be interesting, you know, we're, we're, in a, we're in a weird position. But to go back to your question, I think Sean's right. And everyone agreed with Mourinho when he said we needed a new centre-back. That was a, that, that was never in question. We, we needed a new centre-back. We didn't get the, the, the big shiny centre-back that we wanted. And we, we've suffered because of it. Um, but there's plenty in this squad that... that I would have I would have moved on or I would move on. Let's in the interest of balance, let's still do like always, let's still try and pick out some optimistic points to start with. So in at number one, Delhi, particularly sort of um going forward first half, beginning of second half, Delhi. Um he was a joy at times, Dan, wasn't he? Sort of almost rolling back to to Delhi from a couple of years ago. Yeah, I do. I'm wary of the fact that kind of Delhi star has fallen so far that we're looking for kind of any glimmer from it <laughs> to, to cling on to. But I do honestly think, you know, the first 45 minutes was, was definitely the most encouraging 45 minutes uh, of the season for him. You, know, you can discount any kind of bright performances in the Europa League because, um, you know, there was there was very little jeopardy there. Um, 
And I thought probably the the assist for Son's goal was was his kind of best moment of the season. Overhead kick against Wolfsburg aside, you know, it was really kind of clever the way he just waited. Um, that was the best thing about it. You know, he, he dribbled, carried the ball forward well. He just, he used the space well, but there was just a little delay on the pass while Son got up to speed and hit his stride. Um, and he didn't wait too long so that Son was, was kind of in danger of being offside. It was it was a really, really good bit of play. Um, although it did take a little touch on the way through, but I don't think that made much difference. So, yeah, there, there were definitely some some green shoots with, with Delhi. Um, obviously, Southgate was, was there watching as well, which... Um, was bad news for Eric Dyer, but you know, <laughs> potentially potentially good news for for Delhi. I don't think he'll be in the England squad. I don't think he's got a chance for the summer. But you know, he'll be looking beyond that um, as, as he should. And um, it certainly did. You know, there was certainly enough there to suggest that you know, with a proper coach, um, with a a more confident and, and kind of well drilled and fit squad, um, you know, he could be really, really useful asset again next season, which is, was, of course, kind of what the club was hoping when they when they kept kind of blocking him leaving in, in January. Mm. Yeah, I tweeted at the time, like, it's so annoying how he was just frozen out for no apparent reason because he put up good numbers last year. He had 25 Premier League starts. He got eight goals and four assists. That's a, that's a good return. That's a solid return for a side like us who ended up finishing sixth, especially when he didn't really play after the restart either. Um, and so the longer that he's just hasn't played, the more it's just seemed, oh, he must be crap because that's why he's not playing. And it's refreshing that he's come back into the team and he hasn't really missed a beat and he looks fit. He looks sharper than before. And he just looks like he wants to be involved. And hopefully, you know, I think we can criticise Levy for a lot of things, especially recently, but I think he definitely does have an eye for a special player. Like he, he blocked Ndombele leaving. He's blocked Delhi leaving a couple of times now. And I think that's really going to help next season, whoever the manager is. Do you think, Hunter, that we at Spurs are any different from it? Like in terms of a supporter base, we're any different from any other club in terms of the way that we're prepared to give up on players or like thrust players forward, thrust players forward as a sort of like goats. <laughs> the, 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 the social um, media parlance goes, but it, it, like. Do you think we're di- we're any different? If it, I, I, the reason I ask is sometimes I feel like we've, as Sean was saying there, sometimes we're, we're, it feels like we're ready to be like, nah, they're done. You know, mm. like you look at someone like Ndombele and yeah, okay, maybe he's not starting at the moment. But I, I, I never feel like Ndombele is is not an elite player, even though he's not playing. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. No, I don't think we're different, to be honest. I think you can always find the echo chamber that you want to fit your sort of <laughs> your. I'm not going to say agenda because it's a word that I think is widely misused these days. <laughs> um, but I think you can find people who who feel the same way as you. Basically, uh, you know, now people are calling for Ndombele to be sold, Delhi to be sold. You know, it's and I don't think I think it would be madness to sell them, but. No, and I think people are willing to... Spurs fans are especially willing to get behind Delhi because we have seen the quality that he has on a weekly basis, whereas whereas, uh, people at other clubs have seen it in glimmers. And then they've also seen him have bad games, but every footballer has bad games, you know. I think Delhi's game has suffered um, after losing Christian Eriksen. I think his game suffered massively. I don't think... I think those two... 
uh, connected particularly well. Uh, you know, that was a formation that worked for us incredibly well with those two. And Christian Eriksen is one of those players who can find those part of Delhi's game is those little cute runs behind defenders beyond the last man. And Christian Eriksen found him so regularly. Um, uh, I'm not going to put too much into the Christian Eriksen thing because it really hurts me. I, I loved Christian Eriksen. I thought it was such a such a poor way to let him leave the club. But um, yeah, I, I don't think we. I don't think we sort of. I don't think we're too rabid in our support of Delhi. I think I think he's earned it basically. Bit painful seeing seeing uh, Eriksen win win the league straight away. Yeah, it? and the and the, and the fact that you know he was written off uh, by Christmas and then and then he started playing and was brilliant. Apps been absolutely brilliant for Inter, and you do sort of think, well, it's just nonsense. Football fans are fickle, and you know you've lost one of one of the best creators in world football for me. I don't, I, those quotes, the uh, it was so difficult to win a trophy before. <laughs> like, it, just, but, you know, he, he's I, right. I, I, I actually understand that though, because I think he must have meant that the Premier League is just so much more competitive That's, than Serie A, and Inter have just kind of run away with it, where they've been the only competent team this year. I, I'm, I trying, not to re- I'm of, trying not to read into that. That's definitely part of it. Uh, it's something, Ben. It's something said, I've said to you at the beginning of every season is to win a trophy, you have to beat Manchester City or Liverpool or Chelsea mm. or Manchester United here. And it's as simple as that. You have to beat these these super teams who spend or much more than us. Or you get the one team. year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or you get the one year where it turns up as Millwall. In well, the this final. is what I mean. Arsenal have somehow managed to get Aston Villa in the final for the last 13 years or something ridiculous like that. Do you, do you know what I mean? It just and Spurs, yeah. did, Spurs did get that year, but Leicester just walked into it as well. So yeah, <laughs> what can yeah. you do? Yeah, and the, the other one that I remember is Portsmouth in the se- semi-final of the FA Cup. I mean, yeah, that is a completely yeah. utter bottling of... Of a colossal. <laughs> I remember being so confident at the time. But yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, um, let's go on. Let's go on. Just talk a little bit about Hugo as well, because there are parts of this game and where Hugo was making saves, and it was reminding me of that first half against Dortmund. Do you remember when he just sort of like mm. just seemed to be getting absolutely battered from all angles, but making these brilliant saves time after time? Mm. Um, unfortunately, on that day against Dortmund, he had. I think we played with a back three that night. And I remember mm. Vertonghen making some of the best blocks I've ever seen in a game. Same with Ben Davis, actually, in that game as well. And our defence just, just wasn't up to it, surely, this time around. Yeah, it's weird with Lloris because it's not like he's been at the same kind of consistent level ever since he joined it. It does seem that he is at his best when he is having to save us from, like, just completely obliterating that when we're on top and he's got fewer things to do, like he'll make a couple more errors. He won't be as, maybe it's a concentration thing, but he is, when the going really does get tough and he is always there to try, to do his best to try and save us. And mm. I, I'm, I feel sorry for him that he's had to put up with some of the defences that we've put out in recent years. I get, that kind of gets counteracted by the good defences he's been behind, but some of the crap that he's had to deal with, oh my God. Like this guy is a World Cup winning captain could have won the Champions League as captain and he, yeah he yeah. kept it respectable on Saturday yeah that if it made no mistake there was there were several very high quality saves um we you know he we we know what his cat like abilities in those in those moments he they, he's one of the best in the world at those reaction saves um and he can really th- fling himself across the goal one thing I would like to criticize him for 
and it still hasn't gone away. It's the same thing for everybody. Kicking is atrocious, and it puts Spurs under con- under pressure constantly. And I noticed that, uh, particularly against Leeds, when they were pressing high, and the ball would go into midfield, but it was just being lost over and over again. And I think we'll probably come on to it, but Kane left a few, which is very un-Kane-like, where he didn't didn't challenge at all. And I did think, oh, God, no, please, please go up for them, Harry. Please. <laughs> yeah, let, do you know what? That kind of leads us on nicely. Let's... Do, let... In the interest of fairness, in the bad section, we have got to talk, as Dan said earlier on, about about our approach for this game being wrong. Um, at the end of the day, you come away, you lose 3-1, and Hugo Lloris making the amount of saves that he made. And on top of that, there was at least two or three other occasions where it was like three-on-one or three-on-two, and you were thinking, my word, if they're just efficient here, they're going to score. Um, Dan, what what do you put it down to? Where do you think Mason kind of got it got it wrong? And um, like, does he get a free pass still, or should we be saying, "Hang on, this is this is poor"? I think he gets a free pass. None of the big problems, the structural problems at the club, are anything to do with Mason. He's been thrust into a ridiculously difficult position. I think on the whole, he's he's done really well. He's you know he's been fairly impressive in front of the media. If if overly cautious, I think. And, you know, he's done reasonably well to get kind of, you know, six points from, you know, two two easy games. You know, that was what um that was what Spurs needed. But yeah, he came he came up short. And I think in the interest of if of fairness, um, you know, I think we we've hammered Mourinho on this on this podcast many times and, and I think quite rightly, but yeah, I, you know, he would have I suspect done better in that game you know the 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 way Mason set up um against Bielsa was I think naive you know there were lots of different things I mean I think the, the, the key thing again as we said after the City game was just trying to play out from the back against a high pressing high energy side without Ndombele was was really strange I think actually in the second half the forwards when they were getting on the ball were, were looking quite sharp you know Son was was looking sharp Kane looked a bit absent to me, but you know it's still Kane. Delhi was looking reasonably sharp, but they just weren't getting the ball because the midfield was overrun and there was no midfield control. And I just thought Ndombele fixes this game, or, or Ndombele makes this game much better for Tottenham. Um, but I mean, there are other problems that you know trying to pass out from the back with, with Dyer against Leeds is, is not a, a great approach. You know, and more, especially as the pitch was really wet. It had been, it was raining all day in Leeds. Mm. You know, a slightly more direct approach would have made total Our sense. Our pitch, by the game. way, as well. <laughs> yeah, oh, we did yeah, sell them that. <laughs> yeah. oh, I wish I'd known that at the time. I could, that would have been a funny tweet, wouldn't it? We'd have been beaten on our own pitch. Um, I yeah, I mean, and, and uh, having having Bale, just, sorry, just to finish, you know, having oh. kind of Bale and Kane sort of try and press Leeds and, and Delhi try and press Leeds high and then, you know, Bale completely being unable to get back and and protect Aurier, you know mm. the whole thing was was a bit of a, a tactical and kind of structural structural mess, um, and I think we we played into Bielsa's hands. Um, there are obviously loads of the people who are just completely fed up with all the squad, and I totally get that. You know, I totally get the calls people saying kind of burn it to the ground, apart from sort of Kane <laughs> and Son. You know, fair enough, but I think. On this occasion, you know, with a bit more experience in the dugout, and this isn't Mason's fault, we could have given that, you know, a much better go. Yeah, sort of str- strange that there is that um, that 
burn it to the ground kind of school of, of thoughts very much it, it, it's there and it's i would say it's kind of got a growing number of voices but it's also um it's i guess it comes from uh months and months and months of frustration and and anger from people that has then kind of flipped very quickly into people being like oh thank god and then them having this realization that things are not just going to go away overnight like there are deep-rooted things that will have to be trained out or kind of coached out that and, and ultimately the fitness piece i think is just so crucial i know you mentioned it earlier on hunter but it's so crucial isn't it when you're playing against a side like leeds mm-hmm. to think that you can press a side like leeds it, it, it was never going to be that easy to do that it was never going to be a case of Spurs being able to press leeds off the park with it no no they they they're too good at passing passing the ball around to be honest with you they're too they're too quick in the pass that um, we didn't get near to them with the press. I think what Dan said is absolutely spot on. Basically, we we have to we have to be fair in saying that I think Jose Mourinho, when we played Leeds early in the season, he he, he proved that he can you know that he understands how to play that team. And I, I think I had people asking me on Twitter saying, "See, see, that's why you can't press high." And I was like, "Well." I believe that a manager should be able to play more than one one tactic, and that's it. And so, uh, yeah, I think I think it was an, an, a naive move. Uh, I think we're, again, we're going to be left with that feeling of what if Ndombele was on the pitch. But even so, as you said, they had a load of chances, and um, yeah, the the press just seemed one. It wasn't a very good press as well. Uh, it was it was going in ones rather than rather than setting traps and. I think that comes as 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 a team that looked tired and slightly uh, worryingly disinterested. Um, I don't believe in the burn it to the ground thing. There's loads of really high quality players in this squad, but it is a, a case of some need to go and some need to be brought in. And you know, you'll be able to see as with as with any club, the turnover can be really quick. It only takes two two really quality players for things for things to turn around in in key areas. And I think centre back and right back are, are really important for us still. I touched on it earlier, like Leeds were a tough team to come against because they're so well drilled. They know exactly what they're doing. I think looking at Leeds and you look at the kind of personnel that they've got, that is surely a sign that no squad is uncoachable, that no player can't play that way. That sure, Surely they all have it in their locker. They're all, they've all got to this level. They can all play out from the back. They just got to know, they just got to have the know-how. And I remember tweeting in the first half when we were in the ascendancy that it made me a bit more comfortable the idea of hiring a manager like Potter because if the players know what they're doing and the players of our quality rather than Brighton's quality are playing that kind of way, then I'd be more confident that we'd be able to win more games and to keep teams out. Having said that, Sean, it does definitely feel like people just need a break, doesn't it? Oh, God damn. Oh, yeah, I can't wait for the end of the season. Yeah, the, Euro, the Euros will be an, a nice distraction as well, I have to say. Do- <laughs> Go on, Dan. Just, to, just on the kind of burn it down thing, I, I, I you know, the, the big um, sort of call from Pochettino was not that these players were were kind of bad players now, but that the squad had kind of gone stale. That was his contention like a few years ago, and yeah. and I think to an extent, like the fan base is, is kind of caught up with that view. Like a lot of players who I think could still definitely do a job, it just feels to me like maybe now just their, their times kind of come. I mean, Lloris, for example, I mean, I think he's actually had a very good season 
um, you know, Man City away aside, I think he's he's been you know pretty pretty good. Mm. Um, but it just kind of feels it almost just sort of feels to me like the end of the road for him in in a, in a way. Mm. Um, and I think there's there's a few like that where you just think yes that they they could be very good under a coach, but actually just replacing them with with sort of similar quality, taking a punt on that just for the fresh feeling that yeah. everyone would get would would actually be kind of beneficial in in the long run. Yeah, it's I, like a I mental agree. thing as much as a technical thing. Then, yeah, yeah, someone, some, yeah someone exactly. like yeah. Harry Harry Winks, for instance. Clearly, he's, he's a good player, Harry Winks. I just wonder. I just a new manager comes in, he doesn't get played. Do we hear that? Do we find out that there's grumblings behind the scenes? I think there's to, there's a lot of relationships that behind the scenes that maybe we need to, as a club, need to address before the new manager comes in or when the new manager comes in. Um, Danny Rose is another one. I think his contract's up in like a month and a half or something anyway, maybe less than that. But he's he's still there. He's not training with the first team either, apparently. So it's just another relationship that's just sort of behind the scenes. You know, there are, there are issues, aren't there? Does, um, I think the difficult thing with that as well, that a lot of Spurs fans are slowly starting to kind of come to terms with is that it's the end of an era. Like mm. it really is like, it's not just the end of Pochettino's sort of time. And that took sort of 17 months for people to kind of come to terms with. And it almost like at times, I think I heard some, maybe it could have been on this pod, it could have been on another one that almost described Mourinho as a palate cleanser, like mm. as, a, as a kind of like a, like, right. You've had sort of 18 months of that. Now it's time for something fresh. But when you actually look at the playing squad as well, there's not that many different faces and, and, it's almost a recognition, I think. The thing that a lot of Spurs fans are struggling with is that they haven't to come to terms with these players that they identified so deeply with are not the players that they were when they ident- identified with them in the first place. Yeah, They've kind of reached this point where they, they, they can't apply the same standards onto these players. Like, you can't apply the same sort of... Um, the same relationship that you had with someone like Toby Aldevira, for example, when he was in his prime with Jan Vertonghen. Because he's currently playing alongside Eric Guy, who's struggling a little bit you know and it's not it's just not the same um yeah on that as well Haynes yeah you know the Jose Mourinho thing felt like he was brought in to sort of ride the crest of the wave that Pochettino had set up like these players supposedly were ready to win a trophy now and I think what Levy was hoping banking on was that they they might just be able to take Jose Mourinho a trophy trophy winning manager and just ride that wave for a little bit longer win a trophy and then it all collapses but what we saw was it all collapsed well before we even got close to winning a trophy, basically. And um, and now we're left in a much, much worse position because of it. Um, one sort of thing that we should probably put in the ugly that we will touch on, it sort of almost feels a little bit unfair to touch on this now, but the, the Kane offside, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I do sympathise with Mason a little bit when he says that the game sort of, could have hinged on that moment. If Spurs go 2-1 in front, I think it's a completely different game. We feel like we have loads of those moments where VAR either disallows our goal or allows something else. And there were so many instances in the recent past where we just haven't been able to get up from that. Yeah. I, I do think with this one, it was just so nonsensical, wasn't it? It's just, it's just so clearly not sure clearly offside at all. Do you think it was onside? I think he's onside. Yeah, he's level for me. It, it, the level. line is the line is it's not even like usually you can even see a little blur maybe going over the little white line that they've drawn 
I've, I can't tell you how many times I've looked at it and I've, uh, you know, I've had the conversation now. I, I'm so, I fucking hate talking about Valve, I'm honest with you. Yeah. Um, it exhausts me and I can't be yeah. bothered, but it's just, I don't understand. You know, why isn't the attacker getting the benefit of the doubt in that situation? It's just, it just is level, isn't it? And so many of those, you know, going back to, to last season when this all started, you know, there were so many that were just level, you know, just, yeah. it's level. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you there, Dan. Though, like, I'm, I'm so exhausted by VAR that I didn't, it didn't really upset me. Like, I feel like it should have upset me, but it didn't. Like, it was like, oh, for God's sake! Like, as soon as I saw the flag go up, I was like, chances are, like, it's gonna, they're gonna draw something yeah. super close, and then we're gonna find out it's marginally offside. The only difference this time around that I feel like is actually that just makes it slightly unique is that he's given offside and I sort of almost feel like they went down the umpire's call route. Yeah, I think that's, there's something in that, yeah. If the linesman's flag doesn't go up, it's much easier to say, oh no, you know, the on-field officials were were right with their first instinct. Which is weird because it offside isn't something that should be subjective. So it's a bit of an odd one to kind of to lean But it on. is with VAR, you know, it's still someone making that call. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's still, yeah. still a human making those tight calls. And it's continued to, you know, until the until the personnel are completely changed or something, some, we bring in some new technology over the summer that, that can draw like a virtual line where you can actually see and break, like a break in the line. Or Henri's really, really crap rule, or Wenger's really crap rule was brought in. <laughs> it's 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 just going to be the same same issues, isn't it? The only I don't know why this one annoyed me. I think it's because I care again. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it really did have at that point in the game, it had the power to to shift the game, didn't it? And it was a, it was a lovely goal as well. Yeah. It was really, it was nice really goal. well worked. It was a brilliant ball from Deli Alley, and the finish from Kane was just so cool. Yeah. And I want two nice goals, only one of them counted. Golden boot for Kane would be nice. Um, let's let's finish up with um, a couple of kind of nice things. Um, one, Dan, you managed to avoid having to get the train to Leicester. <laughs> sorry, to Leeds. Sorry, because they're all cancelled. Um, yeah, lost. yeah. <laughs> Leicester lost on Friday. Arsenal out of the Europa League. West Ham lost to Everton. Uh, actually, Dan, you're you're good at telling me that this is not the way to go is there any like should i be getting <laughs> hopeful at all well it depends what your hopes are at this point avoiding the conference league or your hopes like getting in the europa league i mean imagine what, 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 like, almost think what are we going for like, now a sort of parental style relationship tell me where I'm, I'm allowed to go to the high street but i'm not allowed to go sort of too much further i think you're i think you're allowed to be kind of hopeful of a finishing Fifth now. Mm. Okay. Oh, and I, hold on. I need to have a look at the table. Yeah, I mean, I think top fours. No, no, you said it. No, no, no. Fifth, yeah. You can, you you can live in hope of a, of, a, of overhauling West Ham. I think at this point, um, it feels. I mean, it felt to me anyway. Like I think Chelsea are just too good to 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 blow fourth, and I think Leicester's lead was was always probably just a a bit too strong. Um, there was a game Leicester won before their Newcastle defeat. Um, who did they beat? It's just escaped me. Anyway, I, I always felt like that was, that was a big ask. Um, and I think now, you know, it's, it's this weird kind of balancing act where you, you, you definitely want to be in the Europa. You know, there isn't any doubt about that. It's such a winnable competition with a, you know, with this, this squad and with a decent manager, but you definitely don't want to be in the conference league. No, because, it's just even is so it? <laughs> random. And I don't, I mean, 
as much as I'm quite keen for like trips to Malta um I just don't think it would be a great thing for the club to be in it (laughs) so wait Hainsey the only the only the the glimmer of hope right is that Leicester Leicester have to play who they got they got us and Chelsea and we're seven points behind them now and United on Tuesday and United okay so there's your glimmer of hope but the other thing is Liverpool Liverpool have got a game in hand they they serve Everton they, exactly. So I would say the glimmer of hope is smaller now than ever. But, you know... Oh, that, it's, guys, it's, it's over. It's over. That well, last, day of, that last day of the season, will you play Leicester? <laughs> Dan, tell me you won't be excited if we're still in with a shot on the last day of the season. Well, yeah, if, if that's the scenario, but it's Big not going to be. Yeah. Gift, yeah, of course. Yeah, this, I, I'll be honest, this sort of like... It did make me sad the other day because I'd got yeah. so excited about the the potential run to the top four. Just like the season, like suddenly you've got three games to defile, four games to define your season, and then we sort of stumbled at the first hurdle, which is a bit upsetting. I'm, I'm sort of also maybe I'm being a bit tragic. I really want us to finish above West Ham. Like I really want Spurs to finish above West Ham. I know David Moyes done a brilliant job, and he's like made them so functional and fit for purpose. But like. It's just important for me. <laughs> no, I like they've done well, but we need to make sure that like we don't let this narrative kind of become a thing where people are like, oh, maybe maybe people will want to go to West Ham over Spurs. Like, no. well, may, maybe Levy finishing below Brady, Sullivan, Gold would be a wake up call for him. Maybe he would really hate that. Maybe he would take personally like Michael Jordan would. Can, can we I, lost the hope anyway. What, what what do we know? Kind of is it been confirmed? If if Man United win the Europa League, and let's just say City win the the Champions League, there is no drop down, is there? There, no, nothing at all. A team, the Champions League. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is, getting, <laughs> this is this is becoming but disgraceful. I'm <laughs> but, but I mean, more in terms of the, the Europa League. I'm at this stage. I'm thinking about how can we avoid the conference. And no, there's no. What we what happens is a team in the Champions League qualifiers gets bumped up around, and that's that's yeah. what happens. The seventh will still get the Conference League. Yeah. Fifth and sixth will get Europa League. Let, oh yeah. Let's that's, let's that's just that. let's just enjoy the new manager that comes in when he comes in, and maybe maybe Whoever that's enough may for be. us. And then that's the Euros. That, let's just enjoy that. Not our, please don't be our manager, but that's fine. You can be. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope that England win the Euros and then Harry stays forever. Eric Dyer raises the European Cup above his head as Euro 2020 captain. (laughs) He's going to get into the squad, isn't he? He's going to get into the squad because Harry Maguire's Maguire's out. Well, look, this is going wide now, but this is renegade. (laughs) Let's uh, let's call it there. Thanks for keeping us honest, Dan. Make sure you subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. Leave us a rating and a review. Be very much appreciated. Um, We'll catch you later on in the week. Um, Yeah, make sure you follow all the guys on social as well. Until next time, we'll see you soon. What a feeling, what a night. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.